Hey, welcome back to Conversing Labs. This is uh, Conversing Labs Cafe. We're doing a bunch of talks with people who are presenting at this year's RSA conference out in San Francisco. And I'm very happy to welcome into the Conversing Labs studio, Steve Lipner from Safeco. Steve, welcome and uh, welcome to Conversing Labs. Great to see you again. Thanks, Paul. Uh, glad, to, glad, glad to join you. Glad to be back. So could you just tell us a little bit for audience members who aren't familiar with you and your work, um, the work that, that you do? I've been doing what we'd now call cybersecurity uh, since the late 1970. Um, and for the last 20, 22, 20, 22 years, I've been focused on, on secure software development. How do organizations build software that, that can resist attack? Um, I did that through, at Microsoft from uh, 1999 through 2015. Uh, retired there um, as the director of software security and leader of the security development lifecycle team. Uh, SafeCode is an organization that was created by Microsoft and a number of other industry players uh, to share best practices in secure software development, um, both among the members and with the community at large. Um, I had been the board chair there before I retired and joined them as executive director at the beginning of 2017. It's a small organization, but it's it's done a lot to, to help the community, I think. And yeah, just tell us a little bit what is what is SafeCode's role? Like, how do you how do you work with organizations around uh, some of these issues around software security? So we're a member organization. We're as I said, we're very small. Um, you know, not not a lot of paid staff, so. When we do things, it's because the members and employees of the members uh, decide to do them or want to do them. And what we've done is released a batch of free guidance, advice, uh, recommendations in the form of white papers, blog posts, uh, occasional tweets. Um, you know, here are the things that you ought to be thinking about as you attempt to. Uh, make the software that your organization delivers uh, secure. We've done that primarily ourselves. We've occasionally partnered uh, with other organizations, um, notably the Cloud Security Alliance and the Center for Internet Security. So as you mentioned, I mean, you, you, have, you were integ integral to Microsoft's you know, trustworthy computing initiative and secure software develop, you know, embrace of kind of secure software development, um, you know, going back uh, to the early part of, you know, just around a millennium. Um, talk just a little, I mean, I, I think Microsoft really is one of the companies that has most been, been most successful in embracing these concepts of secure, secure development lifecycle, mm -hmm. right? Um, and and really actually kind of putting their money where their mouth is in terms of making organizational changes to realize, you know, better security out the other end. Um, can you talk just a little bit about the experience of being within the company during that, during that period and, and what lessons you took away from that? Uh, I, I go back to Code Red and NIMDA, Slammer, Blaster, if people remember some or all of those. Um, and so I think, I think Slammer, I think Slammer came out in my first week as a cybersecurity reporter <laughs> it was good, a trial, good, trial by fire. <laughs> good, good, good timing. 
Uh, Good timing. Yeah. War, <laughs> I think, war I think this job's going to keep me busy. Yeah. I have war stories from 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 Slammer. It certainly kept me busy around around then. Yeah. Uh, but which was a SQL SQL Server vulnerability for those of you who were weren't born then. Yeah. Right. Go ahead. Sorry. Yeah. I, I guess that. I guess. I guess that's a risk. People who weren't born then. Um, so so um, the the things we did. We. Yeah, we 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 decided, you know, that the security initiative initially came out of the out of the product groups, the, the organizations that built the software. And what we decided, you know, just because that seemed like the natural thing to do was that the way we were going to get our software security better was by organizing, training and equipping our developers to build more secure software. And that was the mindset in the Windows security push in 2002. And that was the mindset of, in the security development lifecycle team when we created it in 2004. And, and that I believe has, has, you know, it certainly was in place in 2015 when I retired and to the best of my knowledge, it's still the way they do it. And I'm a strong believer that you get secure software, not not by bringing people in from the outside to try to find all the bugs because they can't, but by having your developers motivated and trained and equipped uh, to write, write secure software, find out where they've made security mistakes, fix them as they go. Um, and, and also, you know, so that's one piece and the other is continuous improvement. You're not going to get perfect software but but you're gonna you're you're gonna you're gonna learn lessons when you make mistakes and the key thing then is to update your process update your training update your tools so that you fix not only what's reported but all all its friends and relations all all the other mistakes that are like that and and also i would say really kind of prioritizing security. I can remember in the early days of, of that shift when you, you kind of stood up secure development lifecycle, like there were a number of there were a number of planned releases that's that slipped because mm -hmm. of security mm -hmm. issues. So Microsoft was saying we were planning on releasing this is what we told you, but we're actually pushing it back because there's still more to do. We haven't we haven't addressed all the security issues. And it was a you know as a journalist it was like, oh my God. Um, and but um, I'm not sure that Many companies out there right now are adhering to that, are clearing that bar, are, are saying, you know, we, we, uh, we've identified some security issues here in, the, in what we're pushing out. And so we're going we're gonna to miss it, you know, either miss this, you know, the sprint or whatever. But what are your, what are your thoughts? Well, well, certainly, certainly, you know, during the, during the SDL days uh, or during and, and even the Windows security push, um, we took, you know, we took schedule hits to get on track with, uh, you know, with, with secure releases. Um, I think, I mean, you know, a lot of the, a lot of the companies I work with, you know, the companies I work with in SafeCode and a lot of others that I, I run into that are not SafeCode members have secure development processes and have commitments and, and, ha you know, and do do, you know, to the best of their ability, um, you know, create and release 
secure code. I'm not saying everybody's perfect. I'm not saying it's, it's uniform. Um, it's always a risk management decision, what you fix and what you ship. But, um, but organizations, you know, that have been through, through that generally understand uh, the price of, of shipping something that you ought to have fixed. And there, there's probably, there's a bias toward, toward, toward doing it right. The other thing is that, um, you know, that I, I talked about risk management. Risk management has to be informed. And when you have a secure development team, um, you know, its role in addition to the training and tools is to have somebody you know, at a, at a senior enough level to explain, you know, okay, here's what, here's what might happen if we ship with this. And, then, mm-hmm. and then, you know, if you're going to, if you're going to accept the risk, at least you're going to accept it knowingly. Uh, mm-hmm. And, and often, you know, when you, when you go into somebody and you say, you know, well, blah, 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 risk, blah, 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 blaster, um, that, 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 that will end the conversation. <laughs> um, so you're out at RSA. You gave a presentation um, on Monday. Um, and uh, supply chain security, the security of, well, supply chain security and the security of development you know, pipelines and development mm-hmm. processes mm-hmm. is really top of mind. Uh, it's a big theme. You know, if you just sort of count the number of presentations that are about software supply chain or you know, DevSecOps, um, it's, it's a lot of them. Um, obviously, we can kind of, there were solar winds and code code. There have been a bunch of incidents that have happened in the last couple of years that, that highlight this incident. What is your sense about why um, right now uh, this, is, this is what everybody is talking about? How do we explain um, its moment? Well, I think a lot of the explanation of, of the moment is, in fact, because of the uh, of, of solar winds, and then uh, you know, to a to a considerable extent, uh, log for J. I mean, we've seen from time to time other intrusions into development uh, environments, mm-hmm. into repositories, um, more or less uh, restricted or, or focused. But you know, but I think solar winds really got got a lot of people's and organizations' attention. Course, there's the the U.S. government focus and the and the executive order as well, um, and and so it's it's part of the it's it's part of the uh, of the process of building of, of building secure so- and and delivering secure software. Uh, I mean, we we had we had been talking about uh, supply chain security. Actually, both at Microsoft and at Safeco back in 2009, mm. 10, 11. If you go back to the Safeco website, you can find a paper on, on supply chain security and code mm. integrity from, from mm. two, a couple of papers from 2010. Uh, so it's not a, not a new issue. I think Microsoft, we created our, our software, uh, our supply chain and code integrity policy around 2010, 10, 10 maybe, uh, maybe, maybe eight or nine. Um, mm. And so, you know, it, it's, it's something 
that you just aware of, aware of. I don't know why we became aware of it initially, but it's just a natural thing to worry about. And so, um, you know, bigger organizations become more aware of it sooner. Um, the broad awareness is also good because every, you know, back to the supply chain, everybody depends on on lots of stuff they didn't write, and so it's good to have right. that understanding broadly. Right. And that does seem to be one of the issues that we're seeing play out now is I think maybe one of the things that's changed in the last 20 years, right, is just increased reliance on third party code, whether it's open source or or mm -hmm. um, commercial proprietary third party you know, libraries and modules and so on. And that's kind of the way applications and services get built these days. Right. Is, it, it is, is it it a very it, it is indeed. Yeah. I mean, you know, yeah. people people integrate. People integrate components, they integrate commercial components, they integrate uh, open source components, you know, they they copy stuff off Stack Overflow and, uh, and you know. <laughs> Literally and, copy, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and so, yeah. you know, and so, you know, that's, that's, you know, that's, that's the way it is. I was going to say it's fine, you know, it, it's, it's reality, um, but the important, important thing is that people understand that you know that security is part of that part of that equation, and and what are you going to do to make sure that the software you deliver to your customers, um, you know, either either on prem or, or on on online, is um, is secure and is taking taking best practices into account. So. so um... What uh, what is the you know uh, advice that you would have? I know one of the concepts that you talk about, or that you're you were talking about in your presentation, is you know, this notion of you know uh, how best to do supply chain security. We talk about supply chain security again because that's that's the, the old kind of from the industrial world mm -hmm. or manufacturing world. That's a notion that we're all familiar with. You know, it's fine to make sure all the components aren't. Uh, compromised or counterfeit, um, and let's just apply that to software. Does that actually does that model actually work in the modern context of you know uh, software agile software development? Um, is it applicable? And if so, you know what do companies need to do to get up and running with this if if they're not doing it already? So the concept is pretty good. I mean, uh, the 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 session we did at RSA. Um, uh, Tony Sager from from Center for Internet Security and I were the, the mm. speakers, and John Pescatori from SANS was an original contributor uh, who who had planned we had planned to have as uh, as as the other as a, as a speaker, um, and he you know he he did a lot of work on the slides. You know his term you know his contribute you know he referred to a, to the supply web or or the yeah and so. You know, there, there's just a lot of stuff flowing into any modern software project. Okay, mm. and at, you know, going back to the earliest days of the of the Microsoft SDL, we mm. said you need to know what the components are that you're using that you don't build. Okay, and that's you know that's sort of a law of nature, if you will. Um, no. What what other people's code are we relying on? Yeah, uh, what other people's code mm -hmm. are you relying on? Initially, we you know at Microsoft we were concerned about another group in Microsoft, but 
mm-hmm. it still applies. Mm-hmm. You know, what are you, what are you shipping, and and why do you believe it's secure, and what are you going to do if you uh, if there if there's a vulnerability found? Uh, there's mm-hmm. a safe code document uh, uh, practices for using third party components. Something that's, that's approximately the title. Um, mm-hmm. you know, that we that we released probably four or five years ago, um, you know, still still applies. Main thing is knowing, having an inventory, having a way to to discover if there are vulnerabilities found, having a way to assess the impact of those vulnerabilities on what you shipped, and then having a servicing plan to uh, to get well if you need to. And the, and and that that applies just across the board whether. You know whether it's it's a, a couple of couple of lines in you know somewhere that you copied, or whether it's a big mm-hmm. component that you're that you're you know, shipping or hosting hosting on your service. So you mentioned the executive order. President Biden issued a uh, exec, cyber executive order uh, earlier uh, in well back in 2021, um, basically calling on you know the government government agencies to. Um, address supply chain security, among other things, um, to start looking into using software bills of material. And, and it was a, there was a lot in, in the order um, with the goal, obviously, of kind of shoring up uh, the um, defenses uh, of the government agencies. Um, what uh, impact do you think has that had uh, practically? And are, you know, are we, when, are we, when we, we see the fruits of that uh, executive order? Well, I, I, I mean, I, the, the, the impact is a work in progress and the way that the, the government is going to require attestation to mm-hmm. the requirements of the executive order by its suppliers of software is still, yeah. is still not finalized. But, you know, but I, but I talked to the, I talked to the safe code members and they're all already, you know, worrying and taking action to make sure they're prepared to demonstrate that they're meeting meeting the requirements of the executive order and you know and the, and the night you know, I'm, I'm very much a, a fan of the of the executive order uh, or you know part section four which is sort of the software supply chain piece uh, I'm very much a fan of that because you know it, it requires sort of sensible things, that you would do if you had a software security program. Mm-hmm. So if the government's requiring people to do that, if to, I think I think that I think that's cool. Um, mm-hmm. Software bill of materials um, is a is a piece of that. It it's a it's a major manifestation of of the supply chain side, and yeah, that that's the formalism of the bill of materials and the bill of materials format is less important, but requiring people to know what they're shipping is, is real important. Um, it's primarily, it's primarily for the developer. The developer needs to know what's in their code. So that if something, if something goes wrong, they can find it and, and, and remediate. This was, this was what Log4j kind of underscored for us. And, and we were talking about SQL Slammer. In some ways, SQL Slammer actually raised this issue as well. Because if I remember, there were all these products that actually used 
aspects of um, of uh, like Microsoft Access, for example, that initially people didn't think was vulnerable, ended up being vulnerable. Yeah, Log4j yeah. yeah. is the latest example, hugely widely used open source library, but who's using it directly or indirectly? Really hard to know. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, you just triggered my PTSD and I haven't <laughs> thought, I haven't, I haven't, I probably haven't thought of that in, in 15 or 15, 15 years where there was something called MSDE, which was SQL yeah. Server by another name for embedding into other right. applications. And right. it turned so out all these desktops also, that were getting slammer and people. Were yeah. Like, it all turned out to also, you know, have the slammer vulnerability. And so, you know, we had to go around and build a, build a yeah. tool. To, to enable organizations to find where they had MSDE and and right. and update it, um, I could have I could have gone all day without thinking about that. But <laughs> but you know but but Just, but today, you know, similar. You got to know what you got to know what you're shipping. You've got to be prepared to to remediate, right. and that and that's the that's the focus. A lot of a lot of good stuff in the executive order. A lot of good stuff in the um, secure software development framework, which is NIST's guidance on secure development, including both development practices and supply chain repository protection. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, it's basically, it's a, it's a brief document, but it's, it's very, mm -hmm. very complete, very actionable, um, very good guidance for developers. Do you think organizations, we, we reversing labs did a survey on, on this of developers, small population, you know, 300, 350 respondents, but they were basically sort of like, yeah, SBOM's a great idea, but you know, we don't have the expertise internally. We don't have the budget. We don't have the, you know, I mean, it was all this sort of like, yeah, we'd love, yeah, it's great. It's useful, really help us, but I don't know if we can do it because of all these other, you know, um, Contingent issues, you know, staffing, expertise, knowledge, and all these other things. So, I mean, do you, is that going to play out at scale here as organizations try and implement this idea that is really more about, you know, it's it's not a technical implementation; it's more of a of an operational uh, uh, procedural thing. Yeah. So, so I mean, you you know, if you're building software, so so there are two things. Okay, there's SBOM, you know, sort of capital S, capital B, et cetera, um, you know, as a, as a sort of a specific set of formats and tools and stuff. And the, the, the SBOM requirements, I think, that came out of NIST, I think that's where they came from, are, you know, just some sort of fundamental things, you know, what's it mm. called, what's it called? What's it called, and 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 where is it? Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, uh, maybe a a, a, a checksum, you know, date and a checksum to make sure you know what version you've got. Um, at at some level, I mean, you know, if you're building software, you've got to have a, a configuration management system and a repository. Okay. And so, if if you're if you're including this component in the build, you know, you've got to have some way of picking it up and 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 including it, and and if you if you know that and you have a way of querying that, you know, 
I tend to think that that ought to meet the SBOM requirement. The important thing is to know what you're shipping. And, yeah. and ideally, I mean, you know, ideally you'd get, you'd get an SBOM from your suppliers so that you'd, you'd know what they've incorporated and all the way down. Um, the government working groups on SBOM have sort of talked about, you know, how much of that can we do? How long will it take? I think that's still a work in progress, but the focus on knowing what you're shipping is the key thing, not exactly how you do it. And I, you know, I guess, you know, you can do it, you can do it in a way, a way that's expensive, but I, I'm, I'm not sure I agree that you have to do it in a way that's expensive. Okay. Final question, Steve. Um, how do we, um, how do we lift all boats here with, um, with software security? Again, you were, you were there at Microsoft where, you know, company made some very, um, you know, substantial changes and improvements in its practices and, and the outcomes. Um, how do we do that across this huge, now amorphous um, industry that isn't just, you know, born and bred, you know, software companies, but actually every company, you know, companies making home appliances and, and everything else. So that, that's a great question. One of, one of the, I mean, you know, part of, you know, thing, things like the executive order and, and customers, you know, enter, business customers, enterprise customers, probably going to get on board and ask, you know, sort of, mm-hmm. do you meet the, do you meet the uh, EO requirements? Do you implement the SSDF? I think that'll be helpful. Um, and, and that'll get to a lot of organizations that are building and shipping software. I think the other piece of that that I would love to see is more, you know, sort of bottom up. Um, I really would like to see the people who are educating and training uh, software developers um, include, you know, you, you, you want your code to be fast. You want your code to be correct. You want your code to be memory efficient. Maybe we ought to say you want your code to be secure. That's a is mm-hmm. that a is that another mm-hmm. property that people ought to be taught as they learn to program? Um, that that would sort of be a paradigm shift, a culture shift. Um, sure, would. The, the 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 education system isn't doing as much of that as it should. Um, yeah, and I would love. I would love to see um, some some encouragement in the system that got that message out. Steve, is there anything I didn't ask you that you wanted to say? I think I think you I think you've done a done a, done a good good job of, of covering uh, cover covering the landscape. Um, right. uh, the RSA RSA conference um, is back. It's live. Um, okay. it, it was. It was fun, fun to be here and see, see people in person after two and a half years. Okay. I hope you have your mask on when you're outside of your hotel room, Steve. Uh, try to try to do that. Try to do that. Yes. <laughs> hey, Steve Lipner, thank you so much. Uh, Safe Code, thank you so much for coming on and speaking to us on uh, Conversing Labs. It was a real pleasure to speak with you again, and uh, we hope to have you on again.